Jacka, Saka, you beautiful bastards. Hello and welcome to ABW Live. You thought we were dead. We're not. We're back and we're happy. With me tonight, I have Owen from... Where are you from? What should it be? Is it the Gooners podcast? I suppose it is technically now the Gooners podcast, like isn't bir- it? Like birth and location or my podcast oh, allegiances. That. That's, that's top secret. You're you're um, 0062 or whatever it is. No, <laughs> the Gooners podcast, isn't it? That's where you're from. The Gooners podcast for, yes. for all my misfortunes. How are you doing? Are you happy with that? I'm good. Yeah, absolutely brilliant performance, and um, you don't. It's very rare as a as an Arsenal podcaster that you get to come on and actually um, be enthusiastic and delighted with a performance. So um, it's good that I get to share this experience with not only yourself, Danny, but the man below us as well. Excellent. And also with us tonight is dinner, 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 dinner. Batwoman Extra, it's Stan the Man in Canada. How you doing, Stan? Oh, good, mate. Very good. And um, it's so fresh after that game. You know what I mean? I've still got a smile on my face. And just as Owen said there, it's good to be here to, to talk about uh, some nice stuff on the pitch. It is. It's fantastic. Are we allowed to mention what you've been doing all week? I've mentioned it on every show coming up for this. <laughs> I think it is interesting. Yeah, he's saying that's what you've been doing. <laughs> I think it's all right. I don't think the director's watching this. <laughs> Are you know. a juror for uh, that Gillian Maxwell check now? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I don't think he is. No, that would be a bit. That I don't think he'd be allowed to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him what you do while I just go and do another tweet. Uh, I was uh, doing a bit of... Uh, background uh, acting work which is I, I do uh, to, to keep my hand in and uh, I was doing Batwoman the other week which was uh, quite exciting. You are the new Batwoman. Yeah I'm the new Batwoman yeah. <laughs> now that would be a surprise if he I was going to say I'm not sure you've got the head of her for it but CGI is fucking fantastic these days. <laughs> you get away with a lot believe me. <laughs> Say hello to the people in in our um in the Twitch, there's already somebody in the Twitch. Right, I have just done a couple of tweets, gotten everything going. So straight off to the chat box, BX Schooner in the US of A says something about Arsenal. Uh, Martin Gilmore up the arse. Liam Greyhurst, plus one goal difference, baby. <laughs> oh, where's that Champions League music? Exactly. That's exactly what we we're looking for. Formerly Nose. Uh, that was unexpected in a good way. For Nose was straight in with a question, and I've bookmarked it, so that will come up later. Anthony Feliconi, almost a perfect performance. Agreed you there. Mike from the Gooners podcast, did we win? Yes, we did, Mike. That's good. Ah, and here is uh, Drago. Oh, my brain tells me to say Dragomir, but I'm not. I like the word Drago, who was honest with the preview show. He said 2 2, I said 2 2, and it ended 2 0. And he says, Well, that was a. He didn't say, Well, that's just my brain not working properly. I forgot <laughs> brain freeze. Well, that was some lovely stuff. And Gilly on Twitch says, Arsenal domination tonight. Oh, yeah, Mike Spamming us. That screen looks uneven without a fourth person. <laughs> Technically, Mike, when you're on, it's like having three or four extra people. You know that. <laughs> Are you doing your own show later? I didn't get an invite for that, by the way. Uh, Joshua Page, name a better duo than Arsenal and fourth. <laughs> hold my beer. He says, well, I'll wait. But I think he means hold my beer. <laughs> or do I? I don't know. Liam Greyhurst, is that a rare, real cat or a stuffed one? Stan? Well, she's real. What's her name? Tamina. Oh, I've got three female cats. 
Uh, to spend all day licking each other. Um, Paul Neal, Gabby, 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 Gilly on Twitch. Saka looked dangerous every time he got the ball, as always. Ah, a name I don't remember, I don't recognise. Ravinda. Everyone's gassed about fourth. I'm just happy with the positive goal difference. What a game. Hello, Ravinda, if you've not been in a live chat before. Here he is, the man himself, Stefan Selby. All right, Steph. Um, Rocky on uh, on the yep, YouTube says hello to me. Thunder Road, our resident troll. He he, he kills all the other trolls. <laughs> man like Stan in Vancouver, Canada, had to seed company oh, back in God. I don't know what that is. <laughs> you don't remember that, do you, Danny? He's got a fucking good memory, isn't he? Was, Jesus. That, was that shitter glitter? Oh, no, I do remember exactly what that was. I had no idea that it was Stan who was the one. And me and Gimli wanted to do it, but everyone else went, you can't promote uh, marijuana. Yeah, that's what I was doing in Amsterdam. <laughs> that was a long time ago, man. I remember that, and I had no idea it was you until you told me a few weeks ago. Um, Dave Cox is there. Um, Michael in uh, Sweden. Is there two... MJ, I think I've been saying that somebody else is Michael in Sweden, but it might not have been. Daniel Kupka, ah, hello. Um, he's changed his name, uh, but I'm not going to say what your other name is. Tootful is there, Tootful before Phil Macar, Craig Barlow, Loki is there, uh, Gilly is still there, and Ravinda, I have, but and a different username, old fan of the pod, glad you're back. Good. Right, there you go. We've done all the hellos. Let's move on to the game. I've made some notes, as has Dan, because Dan always makes notes because he's, he's a he's a professional. Really uh, for your show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, should we talk about the the most important moments, or should we go through some of the early moments? Because Stan, what would you say was the, the, the most in, the most debatable point of the entire game? I think that's a, that's what people want to hear first. They want they want the juice rather than the facts. Ooh. Well, there were some contentious. There were some contentious sort of referee decisions. You know, there were some penalties that looked a little bit that maybe looked a little bit soft. But on the other side of the coin, maybe penalties that you've seen given against your own team. So you're thinking, well, I'll take that. So a, a, li a little bit contentious, and um, I do feel for Lacazette with the penalty because Fabianski is a good stopper. You know, Fabianski does have That's a exactly what I thought when he when he went. Yeah, when I he think went this was thinking it's, it's painted in the stars that he's going to get a hand to that, and he put a lot on that shot. It wasn't a tame trundler of a shot. He put a lot on it, but Fabianski is good. He's good. There was a shout for some encroachment. Yeah, I thought he was going to give that. But yeah, then they said, I like think the, the referee that they have in the studio or in a van in the car park said, because um, none of the encroachments made any difference to whatever happened after the penalties, I suppose. No follow-ups. But mm -hmm. well, overall, I felt that, you know, there was so much riding on this game and to, to now manage to manoeuvre ourselves into a, a potential Champions League position is, is nice. Although, you know, there's a lot more work to do to, to hold on to that position or to try and build on it. But I mean, if you're not a happy gooner today, I mean, I don't know what, I don't know what I can do for you because <laughs> I remember looking at my, um, looking at my phone just before the, the match started and a tweet just jumped out at me and I, and I liked it so I could save it. I knew I could find it again for after the game. And the tweet just said, um, I really hope we get smashed today so that, you know, we can finally get rid of our tower. As soon as the final whistle went, I just like quote tweeted it and they said, "Unlucky, mate." <laughs> we know someone who won't be happy about this. I'm not saying anything. Is the avatar at the moment? 
the the pirate merchant of doom you won't be happy owen um what do you think was the most important um highlight the the points of the game where you'd underline them with a fluorescent yellow marker well the, the penalty situation obviously was was completely massive and and um to be honest with you i don't think it was a penalty at all um I think the the second yellow card for Kufal was 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 definitely harsh, but look, it's the modern game. It's the, it's the way the game's going. You know, his ball, his foot went over the top of the ball. Uh, I don't think there was anything malicious in it. I think it was a natural momentum after the contact was initiated, um, and I think that they were very unfortunate. But look, that's not Arsenal's fault. That's not Arsenal's decision to give him the yellow card. Um, and something that actually stood out for me in this game as well was that. Uh, whenever there was a decision to be made from the ref, uh, whether you agree or disagree with it, our players were were making themselves known. They were surrounding the referee. They were being very vocal. They were trying to sway the referee's decisions. And I think it definitely paid off today because people have, people have complained in the past that we don't do that enough. But teams like Manchester United do that a lot and they seem to reap the rewards of, of, of those antics uh, quite often. So it's good to see us doing that. But... Look, I'm not sure whether there's particular moments that stand out. Obviously, we can break down and dissect the goals, but I would say the main overriding feeling for this game was prior to kickoff, it was one of nerves and one of not knowing what to expect, really, because obviously, and I'm sure another thing we'll talk about later on, is with the headlines that have been dominating the news around Arsenal um, this past day or two with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang being stripped of captaincy, it was really unknown as to what way that team was going to respond. And to me, they just looked completely galvanised. Um, Alexandra Lacazette was absolutely fantastic. I haven't seen him move like that or play like that in in, in years, arguably, arguably since Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang signed. Um, so all round, just completely solid performance. The, the work rate from the players were absolutely fantastic. I think that I think that when you, you, when you were previewing this game, you would have thought the main um, the main task that we would have to overcome was to get past uh, Declan Rice and Shuchek in, in in central midfield to win that battle in centre mid. Whereas Thomas Partey hasn't been on brilliant form, and Granit Jack is Granit Jack. You know he, he's got some lim- limitations to his game, um, as much as of a decent player, I think he is. He definitely has limitations, but. Fair play to Mikel Arteta. I think that it wasn't the players. Well, the players executed the plan perfectly, but we've seen that high press to keep that backline under pressure, forcing Rice and Suchek back, really taking them out of the game. And our backline didn't really come too high, um, so we could sort of counteract their um, their counter attacking style. So for me, it was a very very solid game, well thought out game plan from Mikel Arteta, and extremely well executed by. What seems to be a bunch of very competent young players. Agreed. It's lovely to see Xhaka doesn't even need the armband, still masterful in midfield at half time. Um, some of the stats we he had uh, the joint top number of shots at goal, he had the second best pass success rate at 91%. He had uh, three aerial challenges or aerial duels out of our 10. He was the top for that. I think only a couple of points in the second half. He might he made small errors, but it's just great. The bloke has been out for what six weeks mm-hmm. and then plays three back to back ninety minutes and gave it his all. And he was yeah. shouting at people, pointing when someone did something well, he was going up and slapping them on the back, organising everything. And but 
just lucky that we got our two most experienced players, Lacazette and Xhaka, were both on form tonight and fantastic. Um, well, let's go to the um, start of the game. Ten minutes, beautiful backheel from Lacazette sent KT on a run, and they found him. Was it a yellow, or did KT make the most of it, um, Stan? Because he was rolling around on the floor, holding his face, and it looked like he got maybe karate chopped in the side of the, of the neck at, at most, because that was the, the beginning of an entire night of people rolling around, pretending they'd been hurt. And I think the referee had decided early on, I'm not having any of it. Get up, the lot of you. I actually put on my notes uh, for that moment, nice little bit of shithousery there by KT. <laughs> You know, I, I mean, I don't like to see players diving in the penalty area, but I want to see, um, like what Owen said earlier, you know, when something goes on with the ref, there's been all too often where we don't remonstrate enough. We don't try to get into the ref's head like teams like Man United do. And if someone's going to throw their arm up like that, you know, and and, and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a close call, make sure the ref sees it. Bring attention to it from the ref. You might get something out of it. And at the moment, that's where Arsenal are. We've got to take all of the opportunities that we can and try to play the game. And, you know, like they say in Formula One, try and keep the car within the within the white lines. But you can always just get to the boundaries, right? And I also saw something else in the game that uh, that made me smile. It was out on the right-hand side. I think it was Tommy Asu and somebody else. And they actually, and I Odegaard, and he bundled somebody off the ball. He bundled somebody off the ball. And for, for so, so long, I've been saying that some of our players look a little bit like they're made of glass at times. But I really enjoyed to see that bit of physical strength in the battle and winning the ball and going off up the field. But um, a point that Owen made earlier that I want to circle back on, and it was a good point. A lot of players say, well, what happened off the field of Aubameyang? It shouldn't really cause any problems within the game. You know, these are footballers and they know how to make the game. The problem is, though, when you have a situation like this, it's not so much within the game. It's all what's going on in training and the lead up to the game. And my my fear was that how the players, the rest of the team, reacted to this disciplinary of what's happened to Aubameyang. Are they all on page? Do they all agree that, um, you know, that what the club has done is the right thing to do? Or are they in small camps where some agree and some don't? And what happens then if you have that kind of, if you have little camps that aren't on the same page, you lose your focus in the preparation to the game. All the build up, all the work you're trying to do, that's where the distraction hurts you the most. Then when you go into the game, you don't have a battle plan. So it was good to see that that doesn't seem to be the case. And even a player like Lacazette, who's potentially got one foot out of the door, he looks like he's up for the cause. Agree completely. Before I come to you, Owen, uh, our Nick has given us five pounds. Nick, you tit. What do you do that for? You ain't getting it back. We're only going to get about £3.50 of that. Rob, you just uh, uh, stapled um, uh, a fiver to uh, Ellis and then pointed him in my direction. Anyway, cheers for that, Nick. Um, something Stan was saying, Owen, that, uh, that they were the shithousery that was straight on it. Do you think that is an effect um, from the where Tommy Asu was booted in the face by... Was it the Everton player? Was that the game it was yeah, done? Yeah, yeah. No, the players didn't do anything. Do you think Arteta's gone up to him and gone, look, modern football is about shithousery, going down when you can and surrounding the referee? Because when Tommy Asu got abused, no one did anything. No. They just got up and carried on with it, didn't they? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and I think there was obviously a visible effort from not only the players, but <laughs> from Mikel Arteta and his coaching staff as well to be more animated around those types of things. You know, um, I think 
for as much absolute muck as he was talking the entire 90 minutes. Steve McManaman highlighted oh. that um, uh, throughout the game. I'm, I think I might just start watching Arsenal matches on mute when that absolute plebs commentating. It was it was <laughs> horrific. Um, but look, here's what I would say. I played for just a Sunday league team um, assigned for them after not playing for a while. And they always won the... Uh, the Sport, the Sports Spirit of the Year Award or whatever it was called, some nonsense, a fair play award, that's what it was, yeah, the Sports Fair Play Award. And essentially what that meant was you get the least bookings and you were considered the most sportsman-like team that, uh, within the league. And they used to parade over this here, you know, the fact that this is brilliant, we get this award every year, we're very fair. And I was like, that's just absolutely moronic. You know, you need a stand set, a level of shithousery within the squad. And I think what Mikel Arteta has maybe done um, has stood is he's been standing on the sidelines for the best part of almost two years, looking at all the other teams in the Premier League, um, reaping the rewards. As I said, for, of of that sort of shithousery, if you want to call it that. And you know, like people can say what they want. Steve McManaman was again constantly braiding um, Lacazette for every time he he hit the deck. He was braiding every Arsenal player for hitting the deck. Yet there was nothing said about when Suchek did it. With a challenge from Thomas Partey and Suchek dropped like an absolute ballerina. Um, so, look, it ha- it happens. It's unfortunate. I don't like it. But I tell you what, something I was relatively impressed with from both sides was that it was a very physical game for all the shouting at the ref and parading around the ref and people diving and stuff like that. The level of physicality was very, very good and the intensity, not only from Arsenal, but from West Ham as well, was absolutely brilliant. And, Let's take nothing away from West Ham. They were a, one of the informed sides coming into this game. There were the people considering this the big test of of, of the games to come um, within the the next few weeks. And to be honest with you, if that was any other side in the Premier League, bar the top three teams, I think we we could have put a lot more goals on the board. And um, I think West Ham were held themselves with a, a high regard. I agree with that completely. One thing that I didn't make a note of that I think is worthy of making a note is, uh, look, there's our, there's our Richard. Is it there and there? That's magic. Is the mistake that Moyes made, that if Arteta would have made that mistake, we would have been lambasting him, we'd have been shouting at him. They're only one player who can score a goal is Mikel Antonio. Most of the game he was covering at right back, and when their right back gets sent off, he's playing right back. And then, what was it, the 80th minute when he decided to bring on somebody else, go three at the back and him, Mikel Antonio up front. And as soon as they did that, West Ham looked really, really good. Um, anybody want to make a point on that before going to the next number? Next num- minute? Yes. No? <laughs> no, I, I, think, I think that the fact that you've seen Antonio dropping back and, and Bowen being pushed forward into that centre-forward position, it just showed... Um, the resilience of our backline, especially uh, Gabriel and, and Ben White, who I thought were were both very good. Look, there was a couple of shaky little moments. <laughs> um, there was a couple of shaky little moments um, within that game. And of course, there's going to be you stand on a football pitch for 90 minutes. It's a very, very long time. Um, and, and to think that you can go the whole way through a game without being challenged at all is just unrealistic. So I think that you seeing those type of actions from... David Moyes and Antonio uh, just speaks volumes to, to how well Gabriel and Ben White played in, in, in that game. Stan, on your list, what's the next thing you want to cover? Um, yeah, around about, uh, I mean, I actually felt that there wasn't really that much going on for the first 20 minutes or so. And my notes actually said that we're managing to keep things nice and tidy. 
And at that, that point, going on to about maybe half an hour or so, it was kind of a 50-50 game. You know, we were doing everything that we were taking care of all of our little bits of business that we needed to. And they weren't really getting that much of a sniff in. So, you know, I was fairly pleased. But um, I noticed on the 40th minute, we had some nice play. And I noticed a similar uh, play, almost similar to the goal that Lacazette scored um, against Everton where we bring the ball out from almost like the byline and then it's almost like a pullback to somebody that's coming in almost on the penalty spot to take a shot straight at goal. And I noticed us trying to do that on a few occasions. So it's good to see that things are happening off the training ground and being translated into the game rather than, you know, towards the beginning of the season, we were just so predictable of what our style of play was going to be. It was all coming up the left-hand side. You know, so I'm glad to see that we've got more variation and it seems as well more creativity. You know, the biggest complaint was that we weren't getting, we were doing some nice things up until the, the final third and then we would misplace a pass, the ball would pop out and then we'd be running back towards our own goal trying to mop up. We seem to be more decisive now and making things stick. The ball seems to be sticking a lot more in and around the penalty area. True. The only notes I've got before that was the Saka penalty and then the the, the laughable uh, clown moment when Lacquer went down, Martinelli went down. They took Martinelli down in the penalty box, I mean, and then they took Lacazette down in the penalty box. And, and then they, the referee just told both of them to get up and carry on. <coughs> and, yeah, um, yeah, and rightfully so. Uh, I, think, I think at that point what was happening was, uh, as Stan mentioned, uh, it reminded me of sort of like a like a Floyd Mayweather boxing match in the, in the, in the opening <laughs> minutes of that, where there, there was just a feeling out process of seeing what, you know, where either side was going to go. And I think at that point, when when obviously Gabriel Martinelli hit the deck and, and Lacazette hit the deck, that was when when Arsenal were really trying to start to turn turn the screw. And when you sometimes sometimes when you see players dropping like that, I think it's just it's just an act of desperation. We were finding it quite difficult to break the lines and get get through West Ham. As I said, they defended very very well. And and to be honest with you, at that stage, I didn't know if we were, if we were ever gonna. Um, get past him but uh, as I said look the one thing that we did very 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 well in that first half especially the first 35 minutes um, was we recovered the ball very quickly anytime we lost possession it was it was like watching an old Pep Guardiola Barcelona side where they were literally pouncing to get that ball back straight away and then we retained possession and to be honest with you I think although Although there was some pretty goals and pretty attacking moves in the second half, the groundwork, the foundations were laid within that opening 35 minutes because I think that we absolutely ran them ragged within that time. Everybody knows who's played the game of football how much more difficult it is to try and win the ball back than it is to retain the ball. And I think that we simply just drained their legs of any energy um, and that just teed us up for, for a good second half. Indeed. We've got a West Ham fan in here. I, I personally like West Ham. Some of my best mates support West Ham. He says, you're not all that come on, you irons. Well, you're right. We we haven't been all that. West Ham and Arsenal are very similar. They both, their managers have been there, similar length of time, similar number of players brought out and in. And I think West Ham would have given us a much tougher game if they'd have had uh, Kurt Zuma and the bloke from Juventus, their other centre-back in the game. And there was another one of their players um, with a long name whose name I can't remember. Um, he was also missing. And like I say, if you'd have had Antonio up front for the whole 90 minutes, 
I think you'd have had a much better chance to to try and score a goal, and it just happened to be our night, but could so easily have gone the other way if, if you wouldn't have had so many injuries. Um, coming back to what you were saying, Stan, um, I put 39th minute, Laka, Saka, Odegaard, Saka layoff for Xhaka, who had a great shot. It's cleared out, and then Katie on the half, or the volley, yeah, full the volley, or, or as McManaman likes to call it, the sideways, the sideways volley, which I don't even <laughs> think is a thing. Um, just tips over the bar. That was an absolutely fantastic bit of build-up play. And then straight after that, um, Lacquer fouled again on the edge of the box and we've got absolutely nothing. That seems to be the the, the future of, of the night where it's going to be no matter what. I mean, that's why even when he come to the penalty, he looked like he didn't even want to give the penalty. We'll come to that later. Yeah. But yeah, I disagree with what you were saying, Stan. It was, uh, it was really good. But um, then we come to half-time. Half-time stats, nine... Um, nine shots, three on target from us, three with zero on target for West Ham. Pass possession, we've got 85%, they've got 82%. The highest pass pos- people is Lanzini with Lanzini. <laughs> Can't stop thinking that. Lanzini 96, Xhaka 91, possession 56-44, corners 2 to 1, dispossessed 7 to 11. Of our seven, Saka had been dispossessed four times. But when you're as creative and as fast and as like that as him, you you're always going to lose. And then Ariel's ten to eight with Xhaka getting three of ours. Um, stand forty-seven minutes. I put White plays it out from the back to Laka on the left of midfield. He seem he sees Gabby making a run and puts a magnificent ball through to Gabby, and he is off like a whippet and slots it past um, Fabianski at the far bottom right-hand corner of the post. And the, the defence had absolutely no chance. And that just shows what a magnificent player G- Martinelli um, is, can be. And uh, did you at some point think, oh, he's not going to regain that form that he had under Emery? Because I was worried. I was praying because he started, when he started with uh, us under Emery, he went, he had something like 10 goals, didn't he, in so many games. He, he, got, he got into double figures and he thought to yourself, well, it's not a fluke. This guy can play. He's scoring them with both feet and he can score with his head as well. And then he was out of the team for so long. But I always felt that he was going to get a part to play this season at some point, whether it have to be through rotation, whether it has to be through injury. And now it's obviously because uh, we've got one less player uh, sort of like turning up for the team. He's getting more opportunities and he's getting the opportunities and he's taking them. So... Fantastic. Great goal. I mean, someone someone tweeted out uh, on Twitter when he scored that. They said, Henri, is that you? Because he mm-hmm. had that look to the goal, you know. It really stretched the keeper. It was pinpointed in the in the corner like an exocet missile. And, and I'm really pleased that um, he's one of ours. And again, for the amount that we paid for this lad, he's going to turn out to be one of the fines, you know, one of the fines of, 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 of recent times for where we got this kid from. Oh, and it wouldn't be fair if I didn't let you wax lyrical about Martinelli. Go on, give us your best. Give us your best shot. Yeah, no, he was absolutely fantastic. But the, look, I'd say I'd say this: like that goal was was fantastic, and it was beautiful from start to finish. And I think people are overlooking the start part of that goal, which was a very well driven, brave ball in from Gabriel de Lacazette, and I thought that he did that absolutely fantastically throughout the entirety of that game. You know, that's both our centre-backs. You know, everybody attributes the, the, the ball playing silky football with Ben White at the back. But Gabriel seems to me a very capable player of doing that also. Um, but again, this is something that has really frustrated me for years with Arsenal. And it's that you have to trust your players. You have to trust the player. Just because there's a man close to him doesn't mean that there's a, that there's 
no passing option on to that player. You have to trust him, and we seem to be starting to do that because obviously Gabriel punches the ball in the Lacazette. He takes it on the turn and, and a fantastic trade of ball through to Gabriel Martinelli, and it was Henri-esque, as, as Stan said. But the thing I was thinking about straight after the ball hit the back of the net was those are the types of goals we don't score enough of anymore. Mm. You know, the, like they're all these whips whip in from wide and I know the game's changing and, and, and attacking football through the centre isn't just as, as as visible now in the modern game as, as it was in years prior but they're very simple moves they're very simple to do and they're, and they're the basics of movement in football and Gabriel Martinelli does that so so well he times them runs perfectly and that's because he's he's got the pace to give himself a yard and I, I actually reckon that if we lived in this alternate universe where like Luis Suarez had a one night stand with Gabriel or with uh, Alexis Sanchez. That that's where Gabriel Martinelli came from. Um, he, he just seems like a hybrid for me between the two. And there's all this talk about him being a forward, and, and people saying that's not his natural position. He's a winger. You look back to someone you just mentioned there, Thierry Henry, was a yeah. player that although he was a striker originated as a winger he spent a lot of his time coming in from that left-hand side and that's why he scored so many of those types of beautiful goals that we associate with Thierry Henry so for me although you would expect a player like Odegaard or Emil Smith-Rowe to be threading the ball through eyes and needles like like for goals like that it's it's just good to see people pulling the trigger on those types of moves and it was just brilliantly taken by by Gabriel. At the end of the season, the 14 number shirt looks like it might be free. Would uh, Stan, and they know him, would you two give uh, Gabby the 14 if he wanted it? Because the, the, the Henri um, similarities at this early, I mean, Henri come to us at a similar age, maybe 20, something like that, and playing wide on the left, magnificent speed, great eye for goal, going, going through the middle, um, just everything. He's got mm-hmm. so much potential, would you? I kind of have a bit of a OCD thing when it comes to squad numbers and what positions where the numbers should be on the pitch. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when William, Gallas, when William Gallas got the number 10 shirt, oh, my no. head wide. I just could not, <laughs> I couldn't compute it. I couldn't reason it, you know? So I'd like to see Martin Ellie be given the number 11. Uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, um, look, I think that I, I, um, the opposite of Stan, I, 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 well, I wouldn't say the opposite, but I have a, a sort of OCD with numbers, whereas it worries me when I see players, you know, like they're like Theo Walcott, who, whilst he was quite decent for us, was underwhelming with the reputation that we thought he would have had um, later on in his career. Pierre McAbamiang obviously started brilliantly and it's laid down. So I'm always slightly worried about, about the weight that those squad numbers carry, but. Going by the way the guy um, applies himself on the football pitch, I think if there's anybody in the squad that would, um, you know, have the strength in his shoulders to carry the weight of that shirt, it's 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 probably Martinelli. Is a bit of a poison chalice. It worked for Henri, didn't work for Walcott, kind of worked for um, Obama Young at the beginning, not working now. Um, Richard Garrett makes a good point. Um, we're all going, we're all touching ourselves and being giddy. Like small, uh, like school children on too much sugar about our attack. Stan, let's uh, let's give a little bit of credit to the our back five. Apart from Tommy Ash, who had a few errors, but whether they're going forward, whether they're defending, whether they're bringing the ball out from midfield, whether Ramsdale is trying to save the team from stupid back passes, which he did about three times during the game, 
yeah, speak a little bit about our defence, not just tonight. What's that? Our seventh clean sheet in, in 19 games, is it? Or how many yeah. games have we played? I can't even remember. It's I think fantastic. I think with, with the, uh, the defence as well, I think Aaron Ramsdale plays a large part in the communication that he has with the back, that back unit. The one thing that I would like to see a little bit more of, though, is that when we insist on playing it out in the back, and at times it still does, it still does give me a, a bit of an heart attack and a heart flutter when we do that. I would like to see Party or Xhaka, whoever's playing as one of those two deep midfielders, I'd like to see them come back a little bit further to be ready to receive the ball rather than leaving the centre-backs and the goalkeeper to work it out with the full-backs as well. And you see that happening. You see that there's no one from the midfield coming to make themselves available and then the ball will go back to Ramsdale. And that worries me when we do that, that we put ourselves under a little bit of pressure that we just don't need to be doing. You know, I still have memories back to the David Luiz days of making these horrendous, you know, uh, blunders in our, own, in our own box, which would lead to a goal. But you've got to give Mikel Arteta credit for uh, building that defence because for a long time, our defence has always has been creaky under Wenger. You know, you'd have a couple in there in a couple of the positions, but to have that solid back line and a keeper behind it who you can basically now just forget about, it, they pick themselves. You know, they pick themselves. I think the only thing that we need to do now is to have that complete is to really have a solid backup for Tommy Asso because it seems that the management don't really seem to be uh, uh, that stuck on what they've got. They seem to be putting Cedric on the bench a lot. We're personally now thinking, well, what we've got, I would rather go with Chambers if we had to. But I would like to see someone else come in, you know, a little bit like Hatavarez has come in to, you know, give the Tierney a little bit of something to think about. I'd like to see that happen over the right-hand side. And someone else made a good point on social media today, and it, I think it's uh, I think they were spot on. Tommy Asu is kind of like a Monreal, but he's doing it on the other side. And I thought that was quite a good analogy to describe, you know, Tommy Asu's play. But I'm very pleased with what we have there at the back, and I feel confident now. That's a part of the team that I feel really confident in that you know that we can we can deal with things and that the players can work it out between themselves. But I would like to see them get a little bit more help from the midfield, the deeper midfield players. Agreed. Um, we are. We don't actually have a backup right back at the moment. Like you're saying, Chambers is the only one at the club and maybe so Suarez who can play right back. But they were linked in the papers today to a young 20-year-old Brazilian right back that a couple of teams were after Owen. Do you want to do a merry little dance about our defence and high-five all of them? <laughs> yeah, well, look... Uh... We were talking in the the Gunnar Talk WhatsApp group uh, prior to kickoff just about the team being released and and uh, the fact that Arteta stuck uh, with the whole team um, from from the Southampton game was something I was really really happy about because we always talk as a fan base about knee jerk reactions you know after a defeat people flipping out and and, and uh, sack the manager or get rid of this player or this is what we need and but I think in the modern game of football that we, we often have knee-jerk reactions to one bad game. You know, I look back and I know the game has changed again massively, but back to the, the days of the Invincibles, there, there was very rarely a lot of rotation done. You know, you could almost, um, you could almost um, pick the lineup every single time, bar maybe one change. Um, so for me, consistency breeds success. And that's why I think we're starting to see, as Stan said, people holding on to the ball more, 
you know, the more um, understanding of other players' movement, where they're going to be, how they like to receive the ball, where they like you to run when you're off the ball. These are all things that just come with time of playing together. And that's the beauty of having such a young squad is that we have that luxury of time now. Um, and to be honest with you, I wasn't expecting it to, to go as well this fast. Obviously, there are still question marks in terms of our, atta- our attacking outlet under, or under Mikel Arteta, our chance creation, whether we can... Um, sustain maybe the, the the volume of goals that we've scored against uh, Southampton and now West Ham, um, but for me, look, the the signs are bright. Uh, you can't build a squad over time, and and Arteta obviously has to work with um, the tools that he has at his disposal. Um, and I just wonder now with the situation with Aubameyang and and how sort of deafening those comments that Mikel Arteta uh, came out with at the press conference is the search for for a striker going to be ramped up to January because for me, obviously, Fowler and Balligan is a player that definitely needs a loan. Eddie and Kadia seems to have one foot out the door as well. He's apparently refused to sign a contract and the same with, with Alexander Lacazette. So that's that's an area of the pitch that we are extremely scarce in and, and maybe need to to bring in some some proven talent in the in that position. That's a good point, Stan. Uh, Striker-wise, we can't rely on Lacazette for the rest of the season, because I mean, the man he should be given, given a gold star for tonight because he ran his ass off for the best part of ninety minutes. Normally, he only gets half uh, sixty minutes when he doesn't run as much. But we've we've seen that he um, Arteta doesn't want Arteta doesn't want to try Pepe as a goal scoring forward of any position. We have, Eddie is come on the last two times he's come on, he's played on the left hand side, and don't really think Eddie's going to be a goal threat, is he? Balogun isn't ready for the first team, and he's probably going to go out on loan somewhere. So, so what do we do? Do we do we try and get someone on loan in the, in the January transfer window, or do we buy someone? Because I don't think we're going to see a chance to get that top four position or fourth position again this easily, are we? With, with what six teams fighting for fourth, and we're genuinely in with a chance, aren't we? Well, fair play to Lacazette because um, usually when he, you know, I thought he was going to get out a map and a compass at one point because eighty-three minutes for him is uncharted waters, and I don't I don't remember him getting up to those heavy heights of numbers playing for Arsenal. But as as Owen said, and it was something that I tweeted yesterday, we've basically got four strikers on the books. If you think about the four strikers that are our, 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 main, our main strikers, and three of them have their foot out of the door, and one of them is supposedly going to go off on loan in January. I mean, I would think that now would be the best opportunity because this is like we've been put into an emergency situation with the Aubameyang thing. We're basically now a guy short for however many games this is going to be. We don't know if he's going to be sat for a couple of games or if this is going to go into Mesut Ozil territory where we don't see him for quite a long time. So in in that situation, isn't it time to, you know, I've got Balogun in one of these, you know, break glass in case of emergency. He's in one of those, right? So isn't it time to get out the little the little hammer and, and tap? Because I would say that in a, even if you rate Eddie and Ketia personally as a better footballer than Balogun and, and as the manager, isn't this the perfect time to say, well, let's give this kid the minutes and see just to double check before we make a decision to put him out on loan whether he can offer us something in the same way as somebody like a Martinelli has, right? He's quite a young lad as well. This would be the, this is the, it's an emergency. You know, we haven't planned for this, but he's, he's there. I don't understand why he's watching games at home on TV and Eddie Nketiah has been fawned over and put on into playing positions where he's out of position anyway. 
I mean, mm. you know, if he's not going to get, if he can't get picked, so there's a little bit like people when people say, well, why don't we try Pepe through the middle? And I'm like, well, if he's not getting picked to play in his normal position, why are we going to play this guy out of position? And if we can't get the best out of him in his regular position, but I do think that Balogun should be getting some valuable minutes here because of the situation that we're in now by having one of our strikers, you know, out of the situation. Surely Balogun has to overleap Eddie a little bit as where we put all, we put our eggs in that basket. He's the one that's put pen to paper in a five-year contract. That's where the focus should be. Just going to read this quote that Rudy has, has always gone and got as an Arteta quote after this. I mean, if you're just quick a note on you and whether what you do with Balogun. Um, um, Arteta, it's a really difficult team to play against. They have a lot of solution in their threat in many, many ways. A lot of solution. Oh, yeah. And I think we controlled them pretty well. So I'm pleased for the boys. And I don't know if there's, he's, oh, here we go. There's um another one. It was a big game for us. Obviously, having the capacity to go above them and go into fourth, it was a statement. And there's one more. We've been pretty strong at home and we needed that to put together a big performance against a really difficult team. And I think that we've done that. We are now on the home form alone, joint top with with Man City on 22 points. Owen, thoughts Mm -hmm. on the uh, what do we do with Balogun? Well, look, it's actually interesting for me. And I know you, you... Watch the same thing, Danny, from time to time. Um, ben Foster's podcast, um, I watched uh, watched it, and I think he had two of his mates uh, who were both ex-goalkeepers and goalkeeping coaches now. They were discussing um, how the loan market operates and what, what the best way for the club to, to execute that strategy is. And they were saying that, that one of the things that they do is they'll not send you out and loan straight away. What they'll do is they want you in and around that dressing room for about a six-month period, you're not going to play many minutes, but you're going to be in and around the first team just to get a feel for for what's it like, what the pressure's like, how people operate, you know, the, how regimented everything is, the, the way to conduct yourself. So that way, when you get sent out to a, a lower-down championship side or a lower, even a lower-down Premier League side, you have seen the scale that you have to be at to, to play for a club like Arsenal and everything else seems smaller when you go to these uh, teams and it just gives them sort of a new lease of life and a bit of confidence when they go to these teams to say, right, I'm I, I, I'm here and I need to get to here. So I think that's what they've been doing with Fuller and Balligan. I think they've been introducing them to life at the, at the football team, letting them learn from some of the players and then to go away and, and, and to put those uh, that new acquired, acquired knowledge into practice. Um, uh, somewhere where he's going to be granted more minutes because I think that although I do agree with Stan that it's e- it's easy to sit and, and and want to see him and think that this is the time this is the opportunity but football fans are a fickle bunch and Fallon Balogun comes on and misses two sitters and, and his reputation is suddenly tarnished and 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 he's a flop and sell him in January that's the, that's just the way this fan base is and I think that for all that uh, Mikel Arteta lacks and for all that he leaves to be desired as a football manager at times i think that his ability to manage young players has been absolutely brilliant i think you know not to thrust them out into the into the spotlight too much i agree there i'm just using my amazon sub prime to subscribe to our own twitch that's the kind of guy i am (laughs) 
<laughs> um, don't, if anybody on Twitch, don't waste any money on us. We don't need it. We don't do this to make money off of Twitch. Um, Rudy has again come in and said, David Miles said it was a penalty and follows that up with, so Moyes not doubting the decision, right? Cheers for those quotes as usual, Rudy. Um, well, if he says it's he's the opposition manager and he says it's a penalty, we, we can't argue with that, can we? I'm just looking at whatever, whatever notes you've got done. I've only got four notes for the second half. Uh, there was a good Ramsdale save on the 52nd minute. He went flying across the area with one of his uh, one-handed saves. Oh, was and that then, from one of our dodgy back passes? And Yeah, I can't remember actually. But then one of my favourite bits came because you, usually when Arsenal has a free kick, I use that as an opportunity to go to the toilet, put the kettle <laughs> on, let the cat out, ask the missus what she was shouting at me about 10 minutes earlier. But now that we have Martin Odegaard, when we get free kicks, I'm glued. The world stops because he always gets them on target and forces a save from the keeper if he doesn't score. And we've missed that for a long time, a goal threat from uh, free kicks. So, I mean, he, he helped out the other day, didn't he, with Gabriel getting his header. So, for me, when we get these free kicks, I'm, I love it. And again, got it on target. And I think that he's going to get a few for us from from uh, those uh, dead ball things that he can come up with. So I was quite interested. I was quite happy about that on the 66th minute because um, I was on fan circle earlier and I said to Ray and the boys, Martin Odegaard incoming free kick, 20 yards out, something like that. So when he lined up for that, I was like, really? I actually called it? I've never called anything, but, you know. So that was on around about 66 minutes. And then... Um, that's when, uh, just after that, was when there was like the penalty situation. Mm-hmm. Well, Owen, have you made any notes for the game? I forgot to ask you. I know, I know Stan always does. Did you? Uh, I, I never make notes. I'm not that you professional. You're no. a pro. I'll go with you with this one. Stan just uh, mentioned it. <laughs> 65th minute. Gabby lays it off for Lacquer, who gets fouled on the follow-through by the right-back, Soufal, who gets a second yellow. The ref didn't want to give a penalty, and it was it was looked like the rest of the game where he's going, do I, don't I, do I? And I think some of our players, Gren went up to the referee and I don't know if that kind of encouraged him because personally as a referee, if anybody come up to me as a referee and doing that, I'd immediately red card the twat because it gets them a blow or, or that one. Go, Stop yeah. it, shit. <laughs> so what was your thoughts? Uh, on, 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 we've already covered it a little bit and so is the chat and some said it was and some said it wasn't. Do you think it was a penalty? And do you think it should have been a yellow card as well as a penalty? Because I thought that was a bit, bit harsh because he didn't go and have a look at the replay, did he? No, no, and and, and the, obviously for the for the card, I think that I think that it was the commentator said that um, the, they can't really review it, call the referee over to review it at the screen if it's just a yellow card. But um, look, by the letter of the law, the way the game's going, you could argue that it's a penalty. Personally, I don't think it's a penalty. You, you hear this, you hear this saying about Oz oh, is trailing leg hit him. Uh, personally, I think the reason the penalty was given is because it looked a little out of control. His, his foot went over the top of the ball and, and hit Lacazette in the shin, even though I don't think that it was that much of a dangerous tackle. Maybe the referee saw it as intent. The commentary team said it was for, for the trailing leg that caught Lacazette after. But look, that's a natural body shape. You, what are you supposed to do? Maybe I'm having sympathy for him because I played as a defender and I know that sometimes it's just impossible to get other body parts out of the way when you're when you're sliding in for a last ditch tackle, but again, look, swings and roundabouts. West Ham are going to have their their uh, times during the season when these decisions go in their favour, and today it just didn't. 
for them. But uh, look, although there was a man sent off, I actually think as an Arsenal fan that when our, when when the opposition goes down to ten men, I actually panic more because historically we tend to slip up a lot when 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 teams go down to ten men, and sometimes it can actually be more difficult to play against them. Um, which I actually thought that it did uh, turn out to be. You know, in 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 that last stretch of the game, I thought they were much more difficult to deal with. Declan Rice seemed to have. A rocket stuck up his arse. He was he was intent on coming uh, coming down the opposite end of the pitch and single single handedly dismantling us. But look again, it's the way football's going, and and maybe we all need to move on with the times and and just accept that that's the way things are going to be from from now on. Stan, yeah, I mean I've seen penalties like that get given against us. So I would have happily taken it. You know, I, I wouldn't have had a problem taking that as a penalty um, at all. I was nervous. I mean, I don't... Is, is there anybody... Or was it just me that at one point, don't tell me they're going to equalise or win the game at, when they're down to 10 men, when we were just doing and undo all of that good work? I, I had that as a suppressed feeling. I didn't t- tweet it out or anything, but that thought was really hidden deep. And, you know, there was a little bit of feeling that way toward, towards the end. There. I thought it could just be our luck that we get up. Down at ten as well, so no, I wasn't like yeah. But down at ten, the floodgates going to open. I was feeling as pensive as uh, Owen was, I think. You went. It was getting a little bit. Are you do- downloading dodgy films? No, my power cable has gone. That's why you keep seeing me do this because I have to keep messing about <laughs> with the cable. <laughs> yeah, so, Owen, should, we, should we be worried about the penalty situation? Because is that three or four in a row we've missed now? Yeah, and look, maybe that's something that's just stuck in the backs of the minds. I think they said that that was the first penalty that Lacazette has missed um, in his in his Arsenal career. I think he's yeah. taken a, to- a total of eight, and that's the first one that he's missed. He's normally extremely prolific. In, in fact, he's that prolific uh, when he's on the pitch. Aubameyang or no Aubameyang, I always thought that Lacazette should have been the one tucking them away. But look... The likelihood is the striker that we're going to take in, whether that be in January or in the summer, there will be a striker in coming at some point. Um, and I would imagine that they would probably be the ones to to, to take over on penalty duties, if not someone like the, the likes of Emil Smith Rowe or Bukayo Saka, I think, are, are very capable of doing that as well. But uh, yeah, it's disappointing to put unnecessary pressure on ourselves. Um, you know, when we have that much of an upper hand in a game to be to be taking a, a kick from twelve yards out. Jolly good, right. I uh, agree with that. 73rd minute, almost my last note. Tommy Ashley made yet another mistake heading back to Ramsdale. He messed up a through throw-ins and tackles. Um, what else does that say? I can't... Page has moved. Uh, he messed up a few in- tackles and has been... It's not going to let me see what the rest of it was. Anyone else concerned about... Because someone did put in the chat, I can't remember who it was that do Arsenal actually practice throw-in, Stan? Because it seems to be when um, Tommy actually got done for, for the foul throw, he just looked around and went, well, that's smiling. But the, the number of times that we've done throw-ins and there's, they haven't been ready and it's just gone straight back out for throw-in for them or foul throw or they've got the possession of the ball, something they need to work on. Is, is have, we, have we got a throw-in specialist in the pit crew? I reckon what happens is in training, they bring out this huge screen screen on wheels and then have a satellite link up to Betis, and there's Hex Bellerin showing everyone how to do a throw-in. It's like, remember um, in Mike Bassett, football manager, when they're at the Science Centre and they're 
showing how Pele and stuff sign. I'm, I'm sure they've got like some sort of CGI Hector Ballerin demonstration of, of how to take a throw in. Rumor has it Tommy Asi was actually wearing his boots, so maybe he's uh, it's rubbing off on him. Curse to the right back, that's what it is. Um, so yeah, luckily Ramsdale is the best goalkeeper in the world, and yeah. uh, he, he managed to sort it out. Um, Arteta, <laughs> the funniest moment of the game, uh, Owen. Arteta getting Gabriel up, who has cramped, and getting him onto the pitch and saying, you have your cramp there, son. What the fuck was that about? Have you ever seen anything like... He's virtually snow-shuffling him back onto the pitch and going, on there. Good fucking yeah. get it there. But again, look, this is the, the, the shithousery that we miss out on as Arsenal fans so regular. Uh, and look, I can't think of a time because he, didn't he do the exact same thing as Thomas to Thomas Partey? Um, was that in the North London Derby ages ago when he tried to walk off and he, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and he pushed him straight back on? But look, <laughs> again, the, the, those are the things that you have to do when you're coming to the sort of dying embers of the game and things are looking a little shaky. And to be honest, I think there was a lot of players out there with heavy legs, you know. With, with, Few people glancing over at the bench, hoping they were going to get subbed off because they they just pushed out so much energy over the course of that match. But I've got no problem at all with that, as long as he wasn't intending him to go on and, and run with a tweaked hamstring or something, stuff like that. It's it's just it's gamesmanship. It happens. Things like kicking the ball out when the opposition player goes down and the ref hasn't blown the whistle. No more of that. You know, we don't have to be the the fucking gentleman of football, turn out to play football in fucking tuxedos and top hats. You know, let let let's play the game like other teams play the game. To, you know, against us, you know, and we're, we're lucky to have somebody like Ramsdale in there because I mean, he got a yellow card today for time wasting. I've got no problem with that. Mm-hmm. I've got no problem with that. I just haven't. We need to be doing these little things now and again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. True. Um, right. So where am I up to, uh, Stan? Any more notes? The next note I've got is the eighty sixth minute. Where um, him, Osaka, and ESR were um, just uh, fifering it on each other, like they were playing a game of uh, FIFA 22. Yeah, it all sort of like really sort of like came alive again just uh, after uh, uh, ESR came on. And I'd sort of thought up to a little point there, there was a point where I was thinking, oh, I'm not sure we should have taken Odegaard, Odegaard off because I thought that we were just missing something. And just as I was thinking that, it happened. It, it, it happened, and that's when I and, that, and that's when I tweeted out. I just tweeted out, "Wow, ESR is the real deal," because like what um, uh, Owen was saying earlier about numbers weighing on people. I mean, this is a clear case of, you know, this young kid asked to have the number ten shirt, and then I was a little bit like, "I hope this don't come back to shoot you in the foot, lad," because you know I'm glad that you've got the bollocks to ask for it, but is it going to weigh a little bit too heavy on you for where you are in the game? And he's proven me wrong. You know, they said to me, I heard that the word was to ESR that when you get into the final third, take more shots. Don't don't try to lay it off so often and look for other people. Be decisive. And it looks like he's taken that he's taking it on board. Fantastic. Owen, I mean, would you say that um this is a product of the Hayland Academy, those two knowing where each other were? And is there an argument that man that ESR should pop play maybe play in that kind of eight role or share the eight ten role with Odegaard because I think he did more in the time that he came on the pitch and Odegaard did in the whole game and I'm a Odegaard fan I mm-hmm. think he's brilliant but um what did you do in regards to the connection that Bukayo Saka and Emil Smith Rowe have look obviously they 
have uh, he's paying me overtime, Mike, leave me alone. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's obvious them two have been playing for a long time together, and this is what I was talking about earlier about. <clears throat> You can't force chemistry. You can't force connections on the pitch. And obviously, this is something that has, you know, um, developed over over a long period of time. And and we're seeing the benefits of that on the pitch. So it it won't be too long until we start to see those types of of, of connections developing between other players as well. And that actually, that's something that I think Alexander Lacazette is very very good at. He's very good at connecting one side of the pitch to the other, connecting winger to winger. And uh, and um, taking advantage of the pace of that youth as well, uh, and then what was the second part of your question about that? I don't I don't listen to my own questions. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, I did say, and uh, Steph has pulled me up on this. I said, uh, should oh, um, how do you get there, man? I know the guards share because uh, I said yes, but I, I, I'm just like a child. I only remember the last thing that happened, and now thinking no. about it, Odegaard was pulling the strings in midfield, setting stuff up, doing silky skill moves. But they're, they're very good players, both of them. And I think that the, the, the way I always, the word I use um, to describe Martin Odegaard in, in the Arsenal side is he's a drummer. He's, he's the tempo setter for the band, you know, and every team needs one of them uh, types of players. You know, somebody, that's why Liverpool purchased Thiago because they lacked somebody with that, that, that ability to create tempo within the game. And Odegaard provides that, whereas... Emil Smith was slightly more of a chaos player than 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 Martin Odegaard. And I actually think of Emil Smith although he is very good in the ten, I think he's best from the left. He he's, he reminds me of Jack Grealish a lot in that sense, that he he's very good at picking the picking the ball up, dribbling past players, making them commit and laying off little short passes. But look, the thing that I said prior to this game was when I was asked about who would I start in this game, and Emil Smith wasn't in my starting eleven, and the simple reason is it's very good to have these problems. You know, you don't need to squeeze everybody in all the time. And competition is very, very good, not only for the players who are on the pitch, but for a player like Emil Smith-Rowe, who is still a very, very young player, has obviously got into the England national team, is wearing the number 10 at Arsenal. And just to, not that I think he needs it, but just to keep his ego in check and keep him hungry, you know, keep him working hard to get back into those starting positions. So I think that not only will... Gabriel Martinelli, Bukayo Saka, whoever it is, benefit. But Emil Smith Rowe is going to benefit from that competition too. I mean, it's, well, good, it's, to have, it's good to have variety, right? I mean, you look at Odegaard and ESR, you know, they both do different things. ESR is really good at getting a lot of yardage with the ball at his feet, whereas Odegaard's very good at picking out a pass. And as soon as he releases the ball, he's off to, again to find himself in the space to make him available to be even more dangerous again on, on the next ball. Mm-hmm. True. Um, Owen, do you want to get going? Because it's 11 o'clock and Mike's already sending me a per- He's wrote, I'll read the fuck up on his belly and then tweeted and uh, DM'd me. No, what's he's ins- he's, he's insulting my mother and everything now. You know, oh, horrible. This guy's man. got no should... class whatsoever. I'll do the rest of the questions that they've sent in, me and Sam order those, and then I'll try and send everybody over to the Gooners podcast after the show ends. So uh, thank you very much for your time, Owen. And, and tell Mike I said uh, you, you, you're an, a perfectly good <laughs> man. <laughs> That's what he is. No worries. Pleasure as always, lads. And uh, pleasure to the chat box as well. They were they were cracking tonight too. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Good to speak to you again, Aaron. Take care, mate. You too, buddy. See you later. Right, Stan. Just you and me now. Um Just me. <clears throat> so I think the last note I made was uh yeah, the very last minute of the game, the or the eighty seventh minute when it was uh that magic by Saka and ESR and then um 
I just think they were just taking a little bit too much time and they knew that the game was virtually over. Well, they're not going to come back from 2-0 down, were they? But it just shows it shows the future of the Arsenal team when you see what those two little beauties can do together. And this Arsenal team is so young. We've got, we maybe have another decade of all these if they all stay standing. That must tickle the cockles of your heart. It does. I mean, <laughs> the relationship between ESR and Saka is almost like the fucking telepathic. Uh, reading each other's minds and I, I can't remember who just put it in the chat box as I was having a quick read we've got a lot of variety you know if you need to rest the other players Martin Elliott Odegaard ESR Saka that's a good foursome there to mix and match around you know they can sort of start into different positions they're quite versatile and they can all win a match for you as well so as you say I mean the prospect of our future is very good. I mean, we just said a little bit earlier on, right? And we all seem to be in agreement that we've basically got a defence and a goalkeeper now that we can forget about. There's still a little bit of work to be done. There's still a little bit of work to be done, I think, in Arsenal's engine room. It's still not quite where that should be. And we know that we definitely have work to do at the sharp end of the squad. As we mentioned, we've got four strikers on our books now. And basically three of them have got their foot out of the door. One of them is going to be going on loan. So whatever plans they've got for a striker, I've got a feeling that's going to be accelerated in, in January. And I think one of the reasons that, you know, um, Aubameyang is kind of playing up now is that he's agitating. This is what football players do when they want to leave a club. They become very agitated. You know, they're a disruption behind the scenes. Their form will, will miraculously like, just fall away. They'll start being late, getting up late, turning up late. They won't go in and say, look, I've had enough. I don't want to work here anymore like you and I would do. I'm leaving. Put me on the transfer list. They don't want to do that. They'll agitate their way out of the club. And I think this is what we're seeing now. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm just kind of forgetting about that player at the moment. And I'm just looking to concentrate on what we have. You know, if he works his way back into the squad and is able to produce... All right, Andrew, fair, fair enough. You know, I'm not going to cut my nose off to spite my face, but the team has shown me in the last couple of games that we can just focus on them, that we don't have to be having this question mark hanging on the outside of whether, you know, you know everybody's on the same page. Is it, is it disrupting? You can see in the last two games, players want to play. They want to play for themselves and for the manager and for us, the fans. So... You know, I can't wait to get to Leeds. I agree, especially after Leeds just got smashed 7-0 by Man City. They are, I think they're on their arse, having a, a tough season. You are you ready know, for some questions? Danny, you never know, Danny. You know, sometimes when you play a wounded, you get a wounded animal. Do you know what I mean? They can, they can come out biting and scratching. All right, you ready for some questions? Yes, sir. Right, formerly Noza says, What has Pepe done to Arteta? Has he stolen the secret to his perfect hair or something? When someone who when someone who will be out of the door gets game time, you'll know there's something going on. So what's happened to uh, to Arteta and Pepe? Tonight would have been a perfect chance to bring Pepe on for Lacazette with 15 minutes to go and just say, go and run at them because some of them were, were breathing out of their backsides, weren't they? Stage now where if you're going to get into a situation of how we were looking to manage this game as we went, as we went further into that second half and your answer is, OK, when I change things around, I'm going to bring on Eddie and Ketia and stick him on the left. 
why are we even taking Pepe to games then? Do, do, do you know what? Does he, you know what I mean? It seems like he's taking up a space. So why isn't Balogun on the bench with, instead then? Why not? I mean, if you're not, even if the player doesn't get played, and why not bring Balogun along just for the experience of the day, even if you don't put him on? Because it seems like, you know, the world and his brother are going to get on before Nicola Pepe at the moment. You know, and then and then to compound that, he brought on Tavares to to fill out there on the left hand side, and he was getting on ahead of uh, Pepe. And don't get me wrong, I know that Tavares can play there, and we've seen it. But you kind of think that if there was a pecking order, and where we were in the game, that you'd maybe just give Nicolas Pepe a run out. But it seems to me that the manager, for whatever reason, doesn't trust him anymore. I mean, what do you reckon, Dan? It's odd, isn't it? It's a record it's signing, by the way. Hey, <laughs> I said it's a record signing, by the way, as well, right? You wouldn't think it. Even if we let him go, we've still got two more seasons of paying fifteen pound, fifteen million pound per season to to Lille for the for the upcoming seasons. Um, Kate Johnson here says uh, I couldn't watch the games. I refused to pay for BT Sport and Sky. I'm a tight git. It looks like I missed the good game. IPTV. That's all you need. 60 quid a year for absolutely everything. We don't condone that here. I pay for the full package for absolutely everything. In fact, I pay double because I enjoy it so much and we don't approve of IPTV. But if I didn't, then maybe I would. But it's, And again, uh, I don't approve of Total Sport Tech. They're a very good uh, streaming uh, site. I would never approve no, of that. It's so disgusting. If you do, do not look at Total Sport Tech for your streaming. Definitely don't. Um, uh, Pepe will play for us again from Ravinda. I think he trusts the other players more, says Steph. Good point. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, here we go. Noza, I bet Arteta will play Pepe against Leeds and get sent off again. <laughs> uh, I get Sky and BT free. Oh, well, there you go. Lovely. Uh, right, next question is from Joshua Page. Should we be looking to sell Alba this winter transfer window, Stan? Uh, yeah, if if any, I mean, my my fear is who's going to who's going to pay like that salary that he's on? Who's going to come close to giving him that? So is he prepared to go somewhere for a loss? I mean, it wouldn't surprise me that a lot of Arsenal players now have seen Arsenal just rip up contracts. Maybe he's hoping that something like that's going to happen, that we'll just go, fuck it, just go, you know, and 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 and, and rip up the contract. But, yeah, if we can move him on in January, bring somebody else in, I think that would be best for all parties. And my reason for saying that is, is that a few months ago, I said that I don't believe that any kind of rebuild will ever be, ha- will ever be able to happen in earnest until every single player that played under Arsene Wenger is no longer at the club because I just feel that they're the one constant that is still hanging around and they bring around, they bring about with them the old ways. And I just think they've all got to go. And that's Aubameyang, Lacazette, Xhaka, Elneny, Chambers and Holding and Koscielny. And I actually think there's a couple in there that are quite good for squad players, Holding, Chambers, Elneny. But I just feel that they carry those old ways and we need to get rid of that completely before the rebuild will ever happen in earnest hmm. uh, if I didn't answer your question about Balogun I'd have him on the bench 
rather than uh, we don't need that many defenders on the bench. We've got enough players like um, Xhaka who can drop back into defence and move the players around. But, um, yeah, that was a good point. Was it you or was it Owen made the point about, I was Owen, about mixing uh, young players in with the first team for six months to get them used to all the shenanigans yeah. and, and big boy, life of the big boys. And so, yeah, yeah I, I agree with that. Um, right, next, I've done uh, Joshua's one. Get rid of that. Uh, hide that. Uh, Phil Mack, I've got to make sure these are proper questions. Ah, Phil Macker says, so Aubameyang has a contract beyond this season. Lacquer doesn't. Where does this leave us? Oh, <laughs> in the fucking shit, basically. If we don't, <laughs> uh, if we don't do something in the, in, the, in the January window, I think it's obvious to all. If it's obvious to all of us, it's got to be obvious to the people above Mikla Tata that that's the area that needs surgery and quickly. Good, it is. Um, yeah, they, I suppose for the better of the club at the end of the season, they both need to go. Although I do love Lacazette and I think Aubameyang's brilliant, but I think Aubameyang's too big for his own boots. Um, Can I ask you right. a question, Danny? Um, maybe some people in the chat box could let me know as well. Would you uh, continue with Lacazette and extend his contract by a year? I would, because I think he's brilliant. We've yeah. shown tonight what he can do. And he's only 30. People make out that he's a 36-year-old old man. He's not. He's 30. God, I wish I was 30. I was 30 21 years ago, Stan. And don't tell me that it was 23 yeah. years ago for you. Yeah, long God, time imagine the people going, you're old at 30. Fucking hell. I just think um, when it, I saw a really good I – wish, I wish it was something that I'd come up with, but it wasn't me. And I wrote it down. And somebody was, I would give, I would extend Lacquer and give him another year. And somebody answered it by saying, don't be deceived, just enjoy his last dance. And I'm kind of along, I kind of feel a little bit like that. I'm glad he's helping us now, but it's for me, it's a little bit, it's too little too late for the career that he's had with Arsenal for me. And I'm, I'm quite happy to just enjoy his last dance until we can get, we can, we can upgrade and do better. See another couple of questions there. I've um, highlighted them and they'll go in our list of questions. Um, next question from Sai says, in case Young leaves, would you consider him a, a snake or remember him as with good memories? That's a good one. I think uh, you've got to remember both, haven't you? When he first came here, that first half a season, he got, what, 15 goals in 19 games or some number like that. And you thought, that's it. We're going to win the league. We're going to win everything. And then the next season, it was half the uh, a goal every other game. And then the next season, it was, wow. I mean, I think he's been a victim of tactics, hasn't he? Because I don't think at any point we've played to his, his strengths and his abilities, have we? I've always felt that um, we haven't carved out enough chances for him of late. However, when he does get a chance, and the chances that fall to him are usually guilt-edged ones, he can't seem to put them away anyway. And I've got a theory that a lot of the time, like that match when Tavares was constantly hoofing the ball over the goal, it's because I think that some of the players don't even trust Ambabiyang to give the ball to him, and they're trying to do it all for themselves. Uh, indeed, oh, Phil's done another decent question. Uh, this is just a short answer. I assume we all agree fourth is a glass ceiling at the moment. That's a has to be a fact, doesn't it? I think the, for me that I've always felt that the minimum requirement for this season, on the back of coming eighth twice, the minimum requirement has to be the Europa League, and I mean the Europa League proper, not that other pony thing that's just below it. That has to be the minimum requirement. And if we get to the end of the season and we're out of Europe again, then 
then um, that has to be a point where you have to discuss whether the manager has managed to improve us or not. Been out of Europe mm. far too long, and it's you know, and, if, and it's going to affect us when we want to bring in some top tier players as well, which we're going to be needing. We are seeing more positives than negatives at the moment. I reserved my ticket on the Arteta out bus before the Southampton game. I've now um, cancelled the uh, the reservation. I hadn't bought the ticket. I'd only reserved it. Oh, Richard, Cactus Cash says, considering Nketiah, who is out of contract, is getting minutes out of position ahead of Pepe, does this mean Pepe's Arsenal career is dead? I would say wait for the League Cup games and the FA Cup games and see if he gets games there because I don't think um, uh, Arteta is going to want to risk Lacazette up front. Because we see Man City, and I think last night, uh, who did Man Man, oh, Villa, I think Villa played. No, Leeds. Leeds haven't got Bamford. So Man City and Leeds, neither of them are playing with a recognised striker. I think in the main striking position, you had Grealish for Man City last That's night. Right. And for Leeds, uh, could possibly, could, can you see Arsenal copying that thing when we don't have an out-and-out striker like Lacazette? To well, quite that question, like asking if I think um, Pepe's, Arsenal, if uh, Pepe's Arsenal career is dead, if it's not dead, it's probably uh, it's probably getting the last rites read to him by the fucking priest as we speak. You know, I think that um, uh, you know he's he's in his third season now, Nicola Pepe, and we've seen some good moments from him, but has it been enough consistently for our, our, our record signing? I, I, I don't think so. Um, he's going to be going off to the Afcon soon as well with a few other players, so. You know, I don't think that we'll see him in an Arsenal shirt for a while yet. Maybe in the next couple of matches, he may get some minutes off the bench. Maybe. Um, right. Uh, well, I'll give another question. Uh, I, Claudius, uh, question. 90 million to spend. Would you rather get Vlahovic or Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Kuluveski, who is... Uh, I think Vlahovic and Kuluveski are... Both both wanted by Juventus or is Kuluveski, Seski, the Kulu, is he already at Juventus? I'm not sure. I think he's a right-sided player and I had a look and he's got one goal in 17 this season. I don't know the last name. No. Never seen that guy before. Um, Calvert-Lewin or I think the first, I can never pronounce his name though. I can never say his name so I'm not going to mug myself off. Dominic Calvert-Lewin. The first guy. Oh, him. That, yeah, that guy. I mean, that seems to be that. Make, that seems to be someone that name, the name keeps popping up. We need to do something. And I, I, I have to admit, I'm not really sure because a couple of the names that I liked earlier on, I mean, aren't available now. Edouard went off to Crystal Palace, and then there was talk about uh, uh, Lauturo Martinez that kind of died a death. And um, after that, I'm not really sure. There's our other guy, Isaac, that people have been talking about. But I think when we get a striker, I'd like to bring somebody in permanent rather than bringing them in on loan, unless it's someone that we finger to bring them in on loan with options to buy and all that kind of stuff added on. That um, Kuluveski boke, whose name I will never get right, is at Juventus. He was on loan at Parma last season. He's a right-sided midfielder, Swedish. His parents are from Eastern Europe. I didn't look up which country. Uh, had a good season last season with Parma, scored some goals. But Juventus this season, not so much. So I don't think we need another player in that position. Um, right. Uh, ah, Andrew has given us a question. What year will ESR, Saka and Martinelli be the top three in the Ballon d'Or? 
it could be any year, right? With the way that, that competition seems to be rigged, who knows? It could be next year. Or, you know, if they, if, if they don't like us, it could be never. You know, I don't look at that competition anymore as, a, as really a, a, a barometer of how good a player is, right? It, just, it seems to be a bit of a mockery in the last couple of uh, efforts. Okie dokie. Right, uh, next one so I can get rid of that. Uh, Kate Johnson, who was on Facebook earlier and now on the YouTubes. Has Fabianski improved since he left us? He went to Swansea yeah, and saved him from relegation for a few years, played really well, come to West Ham and has made West Ham defensively solid, hasn't he? He's a really decent goalkeeper. He's got to be about 35 now, though, isn't he? I always remember him as a young 20-year-old, but... Yeah, how old is he now? I'm going to go and have a look and then pretend I knew anyway. I always liked him as a as a, um, as a goalkeeper, and he was just getting to that stage where you had to make a choice. You either He's 36 had to... and a half. Wow. Okay. We had to make a choice, didn't we? Are we going to promote him to be number one? Because he was at that stage where he just couldn't be a number two anymore for much longer. Yeah, he either had to, he had to be with us or somewhere else. Yeah, he was with us for seven seasons, played 78 games, which is more than what I would have thought. Then at Swansea, four seasons in the Premier League, 150 games, all competitions. And now West Ham for four seasons, 114 games, all competitions. And he's recently retired from the Polish national team. So... Yeah, it was always the scout. Steve used to like it because uh, Steve used to be part of, always will be part of ABW. Um, lived in Poland and yes. told us these two were coming through, the goalkeeping coaches, a couple of young Polish lads, and they were both turned out to be decent goalkeepers and had very decent careers. Well, um, uh, Szczesny did up until Juventus uh, shit the bed and are no longer any good. Uh, so I can get rid of that question. Ah, formerly Nose has a question. Wijnaldum on loan, would you take him? I didn't even know he wasn't playing for PSG. And when PSG played at the weekend, I looked and he started. So would he fit into our side? Well, we're going to be so shorn in the midfield, especially with the Af- AFCON Cup. We need to bring somebody in. And I could think of a lot worse players than Wijnaldum. So, yeah, I would. Good, yes. Um, I'd, I'd like him. He's always been a really decent player, very underrated when he was at Liverpool. And you look at his stats, you think, well, he's getting you seven or eight goals a season, um, running the midfield like like he was like one of you two were saying. He's like the drummer, just keeps everything yeah. ticking over, passing it around. Really yeah. decent player. I thought he was at Barcelona, so I think he must have changed his mind at the last minute and gone to PSG. But that, he's a 50, 60 million pound player that Liverpool let go for nothing because he, he didn't want to sign a new contract. Anybody else got any questions before we bugger off? Um, oh, Phil Macker says we don't need him. Uh, Jeffrey O'Hara says, I can see Ceballos coming back for another stint. No player has ever come to Arsenal and like, loans three times. We've had a few that have done a double. And yeah. we've had players that have come back and signed for Arsenal twice. But we've never had a player do three stints at Arsenal that I know of. Probably good reason for it as well, especially when it comes to Danny Ceballos. <laughs> Riddy says Arteta will play Sambi and Xhaka. Yeah, I really rate Lukonga. Well, I'm no genius. I think everybody rates Lukonga. Are you surprised Lukonga hasn't got more minutes lately? Or do you think maybe he's resting him? Because he did come in and all these young men come in and played loads of games for us and he's given the rest because he's going to be using him more when the AFCON comes up. Yeah, maybe. Maybe saving his legs for uh, more work that's to come. He's definitely going to get more minutes. He's definitely still an important, an integral part of his squad. 
Hmm. Right. A couple of questions about Leeds. Riddy says uh, Leeds prediction and Jivan. And I think I might have got that one. Jivan Dawali. Daliwal. Should have stuck with Jivan, shouldn't I? Um, will we beat Leeds? Uh, anyone got any more questions? Yeah. What do you think is going to happen with Leeds? For the for the Leeds preview game, I have got the French Gooner, who has been on Tom Canton's show. And he put his hand up for the preview. And he said, I'll come back for the live one as well if you want after. And we can talk about my preview. He's he's very good. He's full of wise words. Much Are like we home or away in that fixture? Um, oh, if I click on this button here go on that one and scroll down a little bit. We are away uh, on the 18th of December, which is going to be this Saturday at 5.30. Well, they're having a bad time of it. This Leeds are having a terrible time of it at the moment. So I'd like to think that we sh- we can go to Ellen's Road and kick them while they're down rather than going up there dressed up in a Santa Claus outfit and give them a gift. Yeah, I think we should go and give them a good kicking. Uh, so uh, for uh, oh, difficult giving their uh, oh, Jivan, give me a thumbs up. That is a brown thumbs up in the YouTube. But when it goes to Streamyard, it's giving a white thumbs up. That's a bit shitty. Uh, Ray Anderson uh, says away. Oh, here we go. Thunder Road saying something nice about someone. The French Gooner is also a rapper and a comedian, and he's very very good. I do like him. Um, I don't know him. I'll be tuning in. Yeah. He's been on with, uh, he's English, but I think his heritage is French. Uh, well, I'm guessing at that because he's a French gooner and he is, is, uh, doesn't sound French. And when I called him Le Chat, he knew what I meant. I said, it's the only French words I know. And he let me away with it. Um, right, there you go. We have done an, an hour and 20 minutes. Now, would you beautiful people go and do me and Owen? Owen's given you an hour of his time. Here is a link to the Gooners podcast at the moment. It's... Uh, Owen and Mike are on there and they're doing their show. Could you just click on that, go over there and give them a thumbs up and a subscribe and, and uh, be nice to Mike because he's a grossly obese man. He probably hasn't got many years left on this planet. I've seen him in person. He's as round as he is tall. Bless his socks. So I will be going over to there to listen to their show and abuse him in the chat like he abuses me. So thank you very much to Owen. If, you, uh, if you're listening back to this, Owen, Cheers. Thanks so much as always, Dan. Me and you, we could chat for five or six hours about um, almost anything. We haven't even talked about films and TV yet, have we? No, we haven't. And uh, just a little bit of a quick promotion. I'll be on uh, tomorrow evening uh, on the Arsenal Fan Circle. So if you guys are still up in the UK, it's a little bit late. It's about uh, half past 20 to 6 my time, 20 to 6 PST time. And I'm eight eight hours Ahead or behind of the UK, I can never remember. You'll but that's what will be tomorrow night. If you're lying in bed and you can't get to sleep, tune in to listen to myself, Ray, and the rest of the lads having a bit of a chin wag on the old Arsenal fan circle. Yeah, and I often do pop in there and have a listen because it's a very good podcast. Right, so people, go and click on that link. Go and say hello to them. Thank you very much, Stan. Thank you very much, everybody in the chat. And also, finally, thank you very much to this cheeky monkey, Nick Fights of ABW giving ABW money. He's a crazy boy. We will see you on the preview show um, for the Leeds preview on Saturday and then another game straight after. The game been post- in box. the chat box there. My mum would love that. Thank you, Phil. You made my day there, <laughs> sir. Oh, here we go. Yes. What better way to end the show? Um, thank you very much, everybody. Thank you very much, Stan. We will see you later. Goodbye.
as soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog. <laughs>